Well, how's everybody doing? Oh, you didn't get that extra hour of sleep this morning, so I hope that's not uh, going to wear on you too much. But uh, welcome to Martha Bowman. We're glad you're here this morning. And uh, this is the first Sunday of the season of Lent. And Lent is that 40-day period building up to Easter. And we're preparing for the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, but it doesn't include Sundays. Sundays are many Easter's. So uh, Ash Wednesday was the first day of Lent. That was last Wednesday. Some of you guys came to the Ash Wednesday service, and we were able to uh, just celebrate who Christ is, but also realize our mortality, that this earthly body doesn't last forever. And from dust we came, to dust we shall return. And so we uh, realize that, but Jesus is our salvation, and as we are raised from the dead with him, we live for eternity in a place he's prepared for. So very, very exciting. Uh, and so during the season of Lent, what we wanted to do was focus on one aspect of what it means to be in this world, and that is to deal with the issue of wilderness. Wilderness. And so the wilderness experience for those in the Bible was a real place. It was a geographical place. And so there's a picture that I took when I was in the Holy Land about uh, 12 years ago. Uh, and this is actually the northern part of the wilderness of Judea. And so you can see just how barren it is. It is dry. It is desolate. It is isolated. Uh, it is not inhabited per se. People just don't live there. It's lonely. It is uncultivated. It is a very harsh place. And so when we think about uh, the wilderness, the biblical folks would say, oh, it's the wilderness of Judea or other places. Let's look at this other slide. This is kind of a map for us, and uh, I'll show you where geographically this particular picture was taken. So here's a, you know, a satellite view of the Holy Land. This is the Dead Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did a lot of his ministry all through this area here. And this is the wilderness of Judea. That picture was taken about right there, and uh, it is not a place you want to hang out, uh, but it is a place where God's presence dwells. And so we want to look not only uh, at this wilderness experience that uh, the people of Israel had, because we're going to use some of their experiences that we're going to learn from. We're going to look at some of the experiences of Jesus. And another thing we're going to do is actually hear from five of our Martha Bowman family members sharing about their wilderness story, because we all face difficult times. We all face a, a wilderness, and it's a metaphor for those times, those seasons in our life where we feel like we're in a lonely place. So this morning, we're going to kick it off. The testimony comes from our very own LC, Laura Clara Kirkpatrick, and uh, we're excited to hear her wilderness story. I'm Laura Clara Kirkpatrick, and I am our Associate Youth Director here at Martha Bowman. I've been a part of Martha for going on almost five years now, and it is just the most amazing place. When I was finally here in Macon full time, I really struggled with um, just loneliness and singleness and um, just the hardness that comes with that. So um, I was living in Macon and 
I didn't have a lot of friends here yet and I had no family. And it was hard. And the thing is about loneliness is you can be surrounded by a ton of people and still have the enemy speak that into you. And that is what a wilderness is like. You feel alone. You Sometimes you just feel like you can't get out of it. And I had that going on with some pretty heavy financial burdens. And financial burdens is something that a lot of people go through. Um, but when you're going through it alone, it's a whole added pressure. And it was really hard. And it was breaking me down. I was broken. But the really great thing is that God is always in the midst of our wildernesses because however my new experience here at Martha, he I didn't even realize the community he was creating for me. The support group he was creating for me in the midst of loneliness and just feeling like I couldn't handle myself or take care of myself. He sent so many people and so many families to just pick me up, to just guide me. And that is like just the beautifulness that God can do in our lives. Um, you know, when we read scripture, I constantly think of um, the verses in Jeremiah 18, where he's talking about the potter and the clay. And when we're in the midst of wilderness, when I was in the midst of loneliness and financial burdens, like I was broken and I was messed up and I was dust, just like clay, messy and unperfect. And God just molded that. He molded a beautiful picture around me filled with people who love me. And I just constantly got to see his light. And so now coming, I've been out of that wilderness for, for a while now, but I always lean back on the goodness that God showed me during that time. My name is Laura Clara, and this is my story from the wilderness. Elsie, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. And uh, everyone has a story, and we'll hear from others uh, during this sermon series. I loved what Elsie said. She said, even in the midst of this, God was present. So this morning, as we think about the fact that we might be alone, but we're never forsaken, I want those words to continue to echo in your mind. In the midst of that wilderness, she knew that God was with her. Sometimes our wilderness experiences happen because that is God's will for us. He wants us to be in the wilderness. You might say, Mark, why in the world would God want me to be in a lonely, isolated place, maybe a desolate place, maybe a place of, of, of spiritual dryness or, or potential uh, thirst and, and, and loss and, and uh, all of those things. We'll find out in a minute. But uh, sometimes we're in the wilderness uh, because of our own choices, the bad decisions that we've made, and it puts us in a very desolate place emotionally, maybe spiritually, maybe physically. So it, you can be in a wilderness for two different reasons. One, because God wants you there and has you there for a purpose, and it's a part of his plan. Or you just find yourself in that position 
because maybe some of the choices you make or because we live in a broken world. And others have made choices that have an impact on you. And it's nothing you've actually done, but it's something that has happened in the environment that you live in. And now because of that, you're in a wilderness. I want us to look at the life of Jesus and we'll also be looking at the lives of the folks uh, from the people of Israel When they left Egypt and went into the promised land, there was a season where they were in the wilderness. We're going to look at the life of Jesus first, and that is uh, from a a verse in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, and it's in your order of worship, but we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Mark also talks about this same situation, and Luke talks about it as well. But Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Led by the Spirit into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. Oh, wait a minute, let's do it this way. Jesus was, where is it? There it is. Uh, I'm looking at some notes that don't have the actual. Uh, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So here's Jesus in a wilderness because God had led him there by the Spirit. Uh, Mark's account said that the Spirit impelled Jesus to go, which is, is, is a, a leading, but there's really not an option in the sense of as you are obedient, you, you go there. So he's impelled to go into the wilderness. He's there for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan, Mark, as gospel says. And then it says, and he was with wild beasts. So not only was Jesus there alone, but then he had to contend with the wild beast that lived there as well. And then Mark concludes that the angels were ministering to him. Let me share with you what Luke says about this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He had just been baptized by John. Uh, He was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing for those days. And when he had ended those days, he became hungry. And then the devil said to him, and then there's the temptations that, that uh, we have written in the account of Mark and also, uh, Matthew and, and also in Luke. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into this wilderness area, dry, desolate, isolated, nobody to fellowship with. No, and so as Jesus is in the wilderness, he's also fasting. He's not eating. And one of the things that he does is, is he's doing this right before he starts his public ministry. So this is a time of preparation This is a time where God is ministering to his son and and, and getting him ready for the rigors of his earthly ministry. And Jesus knows what's coming down the road. And he's getting his heart ready. He's he's focusing on the Lord. And then it says when he becomes hungry after 40 days, when he's at his lowest point physically, that's when Satan comes and tries to trip him up. That's when Satan comes and tries to get him to sin. And you might remember the first sin. We're not going to unpack these this time. We'll do that in another sermon. But he says, if you are the son of God, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. And if you've been to that part of the world, there there are rocks everywhere. And so it wasn't like he had to find a stone. I mean, he just looked down. There's, There's stones. Jesus, you got the power, and if you really are God, go ahead and take care of your physical need. Go ahead and take, pamper yourself. You know, you've been out here in the hot sun. You've been, you know, you, you're parched. I mean, just, just man, just, just take care of yourself. And Jesus said, ah, we live by every word 
that proceeds out of the mouth of God, not, not on bread alone. And so he didn't give into that. We'll unpack those temptations another day. But what happens, and Laura Claire said it in her testimony, you might be surrounded by a group of people, but the enemy is still whispering to you that nobody cares. You're all alone. You really don't have family. All of these lies that are coming, sometimes at your weakest point, and sometimes it's in the wilderness where God has allowed us to go through, and there's a testing that takes place in these wilderness experiences. The people of Israel, when they came out of slavery, they crossed through the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness, and they were going right to the promised land. But in the process of going there and, and, and seeing this beautiful land that God had prepared for them, they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're, they're, they're just having a difficult time. And they keep thinking, we wish we were back in Egypt. We wish God hadn't brought us out here. We're going to end up dying out here. And because of that, it got to a point where God said, all right, that's it. You are going to die out here. And the children that you said are going to perish in the wilderness, they're going to be the ones that inherit the promised land. So for 40 years, that group of people had to wander in the wilderness until they all died out and God could make the promise to the children that they complained to Moses about that would die in the wilderness because God brought them in. And so, so there's sometimes they were in the wilderness to begin with because it was God's will, taking them to the promised land, going to give them a great place to live. But in the process of that, because of sin and how they responded, they had to live in the wilderness. And we'll unpack that on another sermon. But this idea of testing, many times God allows things to happen in our life to see really what's in our heart, to reveal how we respond in a situation, what we're going to do given the circumstances. Are we going to trust God and look to God and hope in God? Or will we be angry and resentful and blame God? And the Israelites did that. They grumbled and complained and they, and they were murmuring and they were unsatisfied and they were difficult people on a regular basis. And sometimes we can fall into that. We, we can be hard to live with and difficult and we can blame God. And that's just revealing what's in our heart. So the wilderness can do that to us. Uh, as Elsie, I love the fact that she mentioned this idea that, uh, of the potter uh, and, and that we're all clay. The scripture talks about that metaphor that God is the potter and he's forming each one of us into vessels to be useful to him, just like the potter forms the clay. And so uh, when we think about this time of testing, sometimes we can think about an experience that happens in making pots. And I'll tell you a story real quick. Had a dear friend of mine, he, uh, he loved pottery and, and uh, would bought, he bought lots of different pots and things. And he found out there was a famous potter in the geographical area that he lived in. So he, he called the guy and said, listen, can I come to your workshop? Just kind of see how you do things. I'm just fascinated. I love pottery. The guy said, sure, come on. So he, he drives over there and he spends a, a Saturday morning with this guy. And he watches how he works with the clay. He watches how he, he does the turning of it. He puts it in the keel and, and all those things. And he was just fascinated. He came back and talked about it. And one of the things he talked about that I remember uh, really impressed me. And he said, Mark, there was this table that he had. And he had this wire string uh, that was at about a 45-degree angle. And he would take this lump of clay and he'd start pushing it and, you know, massaging it. And then he'd take it and he'd slice it on that piece of wire. And he'd slam it down. And then he'd put it back together and he'd work with it. And then he'd slice it. And he'd slam it down. 
slice and slam, slice and slam, slice and slam. And so this guy, he said, you got to tell me, what you do? What are you doing? And he said, well, there's air bubbles in the clay. And when you slice it and you slam it, you start working out that air, those air bubbles that are in the clay. So then when you make it and you form it and you place it in the heat, if you have air bubbles in there, then when the air expands because of the heat, it will crack whatever you've worked on and formed. You'll be a crackpot. <laughs> That's just a joke. But, 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 but you, <laughs> I didn't work hard just to do that. But, just, but anyway, so, so he said it'll crack. It'll, it'll blow up. Sometimes it'll destroy it. And uh, this friend of mine, he's a minister, and he was, he was sharing with me. He said, uh, and, and so he started doing some research. And uh, this idea of being sincere being genuine, having integrity. One of the definitions is to be without wax. And he always wondered, what does that mean to be without wax? And he said he found out that when folks didn't work hard with the clay and they were cracked, not to the point where they were destroyed, what folks would do back in the day would be they would melt wax and fill in the crack so it would retain water. It wasn't genuine. It wasn't sincere. It wasn't complete. It had a crack in it. And you could look to the light and you could see, ah, this is not sincere. This is not genuine. This doesn't have integrity. There's a crack because it has wax in it. And so God, what God wants to do with us is to have us open and willing for him to slice us and to slam us and to slice us and to slam us. So when he puts us in the fire, and sometimes this wilderness experience reveals what's in there. And if we don't have what God wants, then we'll, we'll crack. We'll, we'll be destroyed. We'll, um, we won't be sincere. And sometimes that's so painful that people don't, they don't want to go through it. They're not willing to come on the other side. So as you and I go through a wilderness experience, sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes it's a, it's a loss in our life. Sometimes it's a physical difficulty. Uh, and it's nothing that we've necessarily brought upon ourselves. We have to remember that we're not alone, that God is with us in the midst of that difficult time. And sometimes he's using that to make us a better person, to make us more Christ-like. Uh, the idea of, of, of purifying precious metals, and you've heard this, but you, you put it in a refiner's fire. There's a refining process and as that metal is heated, it becomes liquid. And the impurities that are in that liquid will, will come to the surface. And you skim that off. It's called the dross. And so this idea of heating us up and getting the impurities out of our life is a big part of us being able to reflect who God is in us. Same thing with the slicing and the slamming. It's all a part of what might happen when you and I go into the wilderness. So in the midst of these difficult times and these seasons that we go through that just seem difficult... We need to trust and remember that God's at work. Look to him and draw strength because he has not forsaken you. He's not forsaken me. One more thing. I love what Elsie said. She said, uh, you know, even though she felt alone, God was working and bringing to her a group of friends, bringing to her families that did what? What did they do to her? They lifted her up. Amen. So God's at work behind the scenes. Many times we don't even realize it. And in the midst of our wilderness, he's there 
We're going to look at how the Israelites, when they were, what did God do? He provided for them. He provided water. He provided manna. There's a passage that says their shoes didn't even wear out. Their clothes didn't even decompose. In 40 years, they didn't have to buy a brand new coat. They just didn't need to because God sustained that material. All that time, nothing wore out. Those miraculous provisions that are part of this experience speak to me that God has not forsaken you. God has not let you go there all by yourself. So Jesus was in the wilderness, modeled for us how to resist the temptation and and let God work on him. So when he started his public ministry, and for three years, the rigors of what it took to endure the hostility that was extended to him, he could handle it because he'd he'd been uh, in the presence of the Father. And God was working on all of us. Amen.